the Habib Singh podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. This is a really a pr- a big privilege for me because this is a one that I've been waiting for for a long time. This is Rocky Purwal on, on today's podcast. Before we go any further, do like, do comment and do share this because um, he's he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of knowledge and we're privileged to have his time. He's a new father. So, um, you know, this is this is a true breath, blessing. So without any f- uh, going any, before we go any further, can you give us a brief introduction, please, Rock? And, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so my name is Rocky Pirwell. Um, I'm a doctor in Canada currently. I'm working in a small community in Perth, so it's kind of like a small little rural country town. Um, I've been training, so I did medicine. I've had about eight, nine, ten years of training. Uh, and then now I work as a family doctor uh, as well as an emergency medicine doctor uh, in that little town. Oh, wow. Is that far from where you're based? It's about a 35-minute drive. Um so it's kind of a small little community and uh, a lot of the doctors there, if you're doing family medicine, you also work in the hospital. Um, yeah. So it gives you kind of a, a breadth of, you know, doing everything. Um, yeah. Cause that must be very different going from, <clears throat> yeah. Emergency department to family medicine. Yes. Yeah. It ends up being, you see a lot more in a, an emergency department. You have to be a lot quicker. Uh, I yeah. find. So it's, it's tough to kind of balance that at times. Yeah. And the day must go by fast. Yeah, some days. <laughs> yeah, some days do, and then some days you're, uh, you know, you're in panic mode. So, yeah. Um, for for the most part, luckily we've been we've been pretty good up there. That's amazing. So I obviously, you know, I had the privilege to know you for a long time, um, and you you've come at it from quite a unique angle because you've you've done lots of stuff. You've you've trained as a martial artist. You've done personal training. You've done. Um, you've always had a focus in health. So in terms of your own training journey, like your transformation was incredible. I'll, I'll definitely link to it in the description box, but can you tell us about what that training journey was like from what you used to be like to getting into bodybuilding? Yeah, sure. So I think, I mean, I'll give you some credit for how it started. Cause uh, I think you got me into working out originally uh, when we were kids. So I think I would see you do it. And then I thought, no, this is something I want to try. Um, and then once you started doing it, you know, my body started feeling better and I started feeling stronger and faster. And uh, I think that's where it all came from. Um, I think I started, so fitness wise, I think the first thing I started doing was I always played soccer growing up. So that was kind of my endurance kind of training. Um, but I didn't really know it at the time. It was just something fun to do. Um, and from there I did, my, my parents put me in karate. Uh, and then that kind of branched into like karate slash kickboxing. Um, and as part of those classes, we would, you know, that's where I kind of got into like, you know, doing push-ups and doing sit-ups during every class and uh, doing some cardio work and, you know, working on some strength training. So I think that's where it all came from. Um, from there, I started getting into weights, probably kind of in high school time and where you're looking at all these celebrities and athletes that do it and you want to kind of look like them. So you start following that, but I have no idea. What, you have no idea what you're doing. Uh, so you just kind of go into the gym. I remember kind of looking around and seeing what other people were doing and trying to, to copy that um, just with much lighter weights. Uh, yeah. So I think that's where it, I think that's where it started, but um, didn't really take off till I was, I think in university and actually like asking people questions like trainers or people that were looked like they knew what they were doing. And, you know, luckily I, I think the gym atmosphere has been pretty kind to me um, growing up. So I've never had any negative experiences there. Everyone's been very welcoming and, 
know, eager to teach and eager to, to have me learn or learn from them. Um, so I think that's where I, you know, I, I got more comfortable in there. I was definitely nervous to start and I think most people will be. Um, but uh, I think if you just go ahead and ask that question, once you, once you just start talking to people, it's, you find out it's actually a really communal place to be. Um, I found with most gyms and I've been to a lot of them. Yeah. So what interests me is that you, a lot of people are probably the casual gym goers. They, they, they probably have a similar background. They, they see people who train and they, they think, you know, I want to get fitter. I want to, you know, feel better in my skin. So they start working out, but I mean, um, they don't get to your level. So was there, was there a point like something that happened that there was a, a kind of uh, impetus to go from being the casual kind of weekend warrior gym goer to, you know, doing that serious transformation that you did? Yeah. So I think it, it started when I got a job as a personal trainer. Um, so fitness was always a big part. Um, so after I graduated from university, um, so in Canada, we do university first. So it's about a four-year program. Um, and then I applied to med school. Um, so there's no like transition you have to apply to get in. Um, I didn't get in on my first try in med school. So I had a year off to basically, you know, I was working or doing nothing. So I got a job as a personal trainer. Um, and then from there, I think I learned more about consistency. Whereas before I was just kind of, like you said, a weekend warrior going mostly on weekends or like once, once a week at night or something after work. Um, Whereas as a, as a trainer, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't tell my clients to do something. Whereas I'm telling someone to come in two, three times a week or four times a week. And I'm not doing it myself. Uh, I felt, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like, a, I don't know how to say it, but like a fraud essentially. Um, so if I told my client to do something, I, I always had to do that amount or more um, to say, okay, I want you to come in three times a week. And they're like, how many times do you come in? I was like five. <laughs> Cause <laughs> Cause I need, cause now I have room to make you go up if you need to. Right. So, um, that's really, I think some of the consistency came and, um, when you surround yourself with people like that, so you know, all my friends and colleagues, they, they were trainers too. Um, so we would all have that mentality. And I think that was important too. Um, everyone was kind of keeping you accountable. Like if I didn't train on a Tuesday, someone's like, why aren't you training? <laughs> and I'd say, Oh, you know, I forgot my shoes and like borrow mine. Um, so there was, I think there was a mentality there of, you know, do, do it more consistently. I think you'll get the results better instead of going all out for like a couple of days. Um, I didn't have to go all out because I was just doing it so frequently. Yeah. I guess you kind of threw yourself in the deep end, like being a personal trainer, you, like you said, you can't be a hypocrite and be obese and be sedentary. You, you have to look the part. So it forced. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think forced some consistency um, into me. I think that the, difference between that so i've still it was consistent but it wasn't really training to like a maximum effort um i think that came when i got into medical school and i was i was real i was in good shape when i got into medical school so you know the first year i got in i was very excited um and i think someone i worked with said oh like there goes your fitness like there's no way you're gonna be able to keep it up in medical school and i think that just kind of set a, a fire in my head and i said oh yeah watch this um and it was that year where i actually kind of competed. It was my first year of medical school where I, I started kind of my bodybuilding kind of process. Wow. And I've noticed yeah. that about you. You're kind of like, um, if someone says you can't do something, you'll, you'll, you'll show them. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know where it came from, but it's like an internal, like I, I need to prove you wrong now. Um, yeah. and that's kind of where, yeah, what led into bodybuilding. I've, I've loved it ever since.
Yeah, that's amazing. So you 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 went from kind of like you said, relatively fit and healthy and in good shape to like on stage, which is again another leap, another massive leap. So what was that journey like? Yeah, so that was. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say I, I got to get some shout out to my wife here because um, I don't think I could have done it without her. Um, so at the same time I was training, she also decided to to do a competition. Um, so we were, we were going to do the same competition together. Um, and I had one of the trainers I worked with, um, previously they trained. So she was a, an athlete that I think was like a IFBB pro, like international bodybuilding, like federation, um, you know, an athlete part of them. Um, and so I asked them if they could give us some guidance and help. And so that's kind of what, uh, what brought me to that level. Um, what was the commitment like i know what your diet was like um because i stayed yeah. uh, in terms of your in terms of your training how many hours was that taking up and food food prep yeah so not i i honestly i thought it would take up a lot more um I, when when i asked them about it i thought i would be in there like two three you, you you look online you look at these magazines and stuff and everyone's always like oh they're doing two a days and this person's doing like like the rocks in the gym for four hours. I don't think he's in the gym for that long. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the one exception, but I think most athletes and celebrities that you see probably not as long as you think, I think it's more of just the consistent effort over time. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what it was. So it was training wise. I think I was in there probably four times a week. Um, so I would do maybe like Monday, Tuesday, have a rest day on a Wednesday, um, Thursday, Friday, and then probably take it easy. Um, on Saturday, Sunday, or just do like a yoga class or just some core um, on the weekend. Um, but I'd probably have like two days to to just rest and relax um, in the week. So it wasn't a seven day process for sure. It wasn't like seven days a week. It wasn't barely even five days a week. It was probably gathering up to five days towards the end of competition, but um, not five days at maximum effort. There was always like a recovery day in there. And how many hours were you training for? I would do my workout. So because I was in med school, I still had kind of quite a heavy academic load um, to maintain. And so um, originally, so going into med school, I wasn't really a morning person um, per se, but I found that to keep my training going, I had to almost become one. And so I, I would find after my medical school, like if I'd go during the day, it was eight hours of class. And if you wait till the end of class to start training, I was just exhausted, you know, mentally. Uh, physically, I just wanted to go home and kind of just relax or study. Um, so I started waking up extra early. I was up around 5.30 a.m., which wasn't too early for most. But you know, for me, that was a big change. Mm. Um, and then I'd go to the gym first thing. So I wouldn't eat. Um, I'd go to the gym kind of fasted. And then I would have a, a, a decent-sized breakfast when I got home and then go to, to med school. And then I'd have all my meal prep I would do usually on Sundays. So most of my lunches and dinners were already planned out. I didn't have to think about that. I thought that was pretty easy um, to maintain. And yeah, that's how I kind of you know, would, would organize it. And with competition, you won your first competition, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a bit of a that's a tr- true Rocky story, isn't it? Coming up the was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like. I was. I remember. Uh, some of the Rocky songs were in my soundtrack too when I'd go for jogs and I would just I would do the same thing I'd do the shadow box when you're jogging and and then someone would walk by and be like oh shit sorry like (laughs) I'm not trying to fight you guys I'm just uh I'm just kind of mimicking this (laughs) just give me some motivation yeah 
That's amazing. And then now you're on a new um, transformation journey with uh, with having a kid. And um, what's that like going from fairly kind of a reasonable, independent life and going from that to having a kid who's reliant on you or you're working full time? So how do you how do you juggle that? Have you got any tips for new dads? Yeah. So, I mean, I think for new dads, I mean, it's, it's going to be different for everyone, but, uh, I, I think it's, you gotta be easy on yourself too. I think, uh, a lot of times you, you try to focus so much on, you know, this kid needs to be perfect and why aren't they eating yet? And, you know, are we doing everything we need to, why is this rash here? Why is it, why haven't they pooped in a day? Um, I think it's, it becomes easy to kind of micromanage everything, um, for your kids, but, um, uh, I remember I was working with a pediatrician once and they told me some, uh, some useful advice I thought at times. And they say, uh, you know, kids, you know, when they're born, like instinctively, they want to stay alive. They're not, uh, they're not doing things that are going to like, you know, um, lead to bad consequences. Like if a kid's coughing, like it's for a reason, they're going to try to get something out. Um, so like, let them do that stuff. Um, and if, you know, if you're getting a really fever and, and you know, if the kid's really sick then sure get them checked out, but, you don't have to panic at every turn. And I think, you know, just relaxing a little bit and understanding that, uh, you know, there's going to be scratches, there's going to be cuts and stuff, maybe some bruises. Um, I think that gives you kind of some time to focus on yourself too. Um, and don't, uh, you know, don't necessarily put aside all of your mental health and, and well-being or your physical well-being. Um, you can find ways to do it at home too. So we had Ella kind of mid pandemic. So I couldn't really go to the gym regardless. It was like, everything was shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I would tend to do is like when she was napping, kids nap a lot, <laughs> which I didn't know, but when you have well, the originally the first couple of months, you know, she'd sleep all the time. Um, so when she was sleeping upstairs, I would just do a mini workout downstairs with like resistance bands and light weights and pushups, a lot of body weight stuff. Um, just to kind of maintain some of that shape. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you really worked with what you had, because those aren't, you know, like you said, you, there was no way you could have trained. You've got a newborn, no. but you know these these commitments. Um, but you still managed to find a way to to train, which shows that your health is important to you. It wasn't just for competition. You're you're keen on like looking after yourself. Yeah, and I find like you know after a while when you start doing it, you just your body just feels better. Um, after a workout, it could be anything like even going for a walk. Um, you, you'll just feel more energized, you know, the fresh air, um, doing a couple of squats, you know, your legs will start feeling a bit stronger, steady, won't get as much back pain. Um, so I think a lot of that was, you know, my body telling me you need to move or do something and, and then you'll feel less lethargic and, and like, blah. So how do you, how do you balance it all? Cause you've got all of these, uh, conflicting time constraints. And then how do you still manage to eat relatively healthy? Cause you've never, you've never ballooned in terms of your weight um, after competition, yeah. which I, I see with a lot of people. Um, so what's your kind of secret to managing to keep on top of this stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of ballooning after I'll talk to that one first um, after the competition. Um, so that was something I chatted with my trainer about at the time. And it was, it was all about kind of, you get that cheat day. So the, the day we won the competition, I went, I went to town. I had burgers, I had fries, like pizza, all the stuff that I didn't have for so long. Um, but that was one day. And then the next day I was mostly still similar to the competition food um, with an additional, let's say 
I was having one tablespoon of peanut butter and I was two. Um, and then the following week, instead of like egg whites, I introduced like one egg, like a whole egg. Um, and then the next week, you know, I can introduce a piece of bread again. Um, so it's kind of a slow, gradual process. And then eventually, you know, you have the freedom to eat what you want, but, uh, if you do it too fast, then it, it kind of, it does balloon on you. Mm. Um, in terms of the food, I think my advice to people would be to not focus necessarily on what you're not eating. Um, so don't say like, Oh, I think if, you know, if you're on a diet and you say, I can't eat that, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm on a diet. I can't have like that donut or that cookie. Um, you already kind of pigeoned your hole into like a, I'm in a cage thing and I, I can't have this and you're, you're limiting that. And, you know, as a human, you're going to want to bust out of that cage at some point, <laughs> probably at night and have like a dozen cookies and ice cream and everything like that. Um, so to me, it was more of what I want, I am eating. So instead of, you know, being tempted by a cookie or donut or whatever, whatever the, the dessert or something was, because for me, it's a sweet tooth. Um, I would say I'm eating a salad, so I have to eat the salad. Um, and then I have to eat an apple and then I have to eat, um, this chicken and rice, or then I have to eat, you know, this, um, these oatmeal, this oatmeal. Um, and I thought, I thought when I'm, I'm eating those things, like at, you know, those time intervals, I don't have the urge to have a donut or cookie cause I'm just full. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't feel like you need it as much. You're, you're still satisfied and you're still getting like my sweet, we're satisfied with just some, some fruit instead. Um, so like berries, half a banana, things like that, um, wow. stuff that, yeah, still gives you the vitamins, but not necessarily all of the, the processed sugar. Um, and a, a big thing for me was also not buying it. Um, so, you know, if I went to the grocery store, I went with like a budget of this is usually how much it costs me to get all of these things. And I can't spend more than that. Mm. So not a, a single thing I could spend more, but imagine that like, I didn't have that money in my account and you know as a med student i really didn't but uh um yeah if you go with it that way you know you'll save money you'll just start losing weight you'll start seeing the impact too and uh i think it's easier that way you know you're not saying i can't do this it's you don't really want to or have to wow would you would you say you're a disciplined person mm, at time i think i don't know if i'm a disciplined person but i think i'm i can easily put myself into routine and so if I have a routine, I'm someone that can, I think my mindset is strong enough to say, I well, I'm not going to break that. Um, and some days you will. And, and I think understanding that too. So I, what you, as a discipline or as someone like that's following routine, you have to understand that sometimes it's going to break. Um, and don't beat yourself up for that. And don't just collapse and go back to you know, your old ways for that. You just do the same thing the next day. Um, so there were times, you know, even during competition where, it was just awkward to not have food or something like a doctor would take you out for dinner and say, you did such a good job in this rotation. Um, I hear we got you like a brownie and I'd be like, Oh no. <laughs> and, and sometimes I had to say no. And that was awkward, but, or I would just take a couple bites um, and, you know, not be too hard on myself. I'm like, okay, that that's fine. It's one day. Um, yeah. Tomorrow I get back to the same routine. I don't punish myself for it. I don't say now I have to go for, you know, like a five mile jog. Um, I just say, okay, that was one day back to the same routine tomorrow. I'm not going extra. I'm not going harder. It's the same thing. Uh, it was one little thing. We'll be okay. That's amazing. Yeah. You sound, you sound incredibly disciplined. Uh, it's very inspiring. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can I can see how routines can enforce or enable that. If you've got a strong routine, then you're just by going through the motions, you're getting through the things that you want to get through. You're making progress towards your goal. Um, in terms of, I want to ask about Corona and and there's a lot of misconceptions, particularly in the community or, or a lot of conceptions around different things around coronavirus. Um, and there's a new variant at the moment in the UK. So they, they're, yeah. looking at, they're looking at whether they, they, they're reinforcing masks again and they're looking at what they do next in terms of travel bans and all that kind of stuff. So what's, what's your take on um, vaccines and all of that? Yeah, so I mean, I don't want to get too political <laughs> with this. Um, so I think, I mean, coronavirus in general has been around for a while. It's it's this specific variant, so the COVID nineteen one they discovered uh, in twenty nineteen. Um, that's why it's named that. I think the the problem with it was it was just a lot more lethal, a lot more infectious uh, than typical coronaviruses tend to be. Um, the the vaccine rollout's been quite impressive. Um, with how fast they were able to develop that. And what I tell people sometimes, of this, this, some people are very skeptical of, you know, the speed of this, but this is also something you have to realize was worldwide kind of a, a crisis. Um, so this was the first time you had kind of the world's doctors and scientists and top minds kind of coming together and saying, we all need to solve this. Um, this wasn't just like an isolated event. Um, so probably the first time in our history that you could get all of this done, you were able to kind of, and they weren't necessarily like bypassing any safeguards. It was just, you needed to do this. These trials needed to happen quicker. Mm. Um, so they still did randomized trials. They still did like all of the the work that they needed to. Mm. Um, they, they just got a, a light to do it quicker than, than typically where it would have to go through, you know, they'd say, you know what, we'll, you'll start the trial next year. Um, just cause it's going to wait. It still had ethics approvals. It had all of that stuff. Um, yeah. And overall, I think, you know, vaccine is in general have been pretty safe. Um, there's been, I think the media has kind of distorted some of it uh, in terms of what experiences people are having. And I think one thing I tell people is anytime you hear of a major side effect from a vaccine, you need to know the whole story. Um, you need to know what that person has medically uh, in their past. It's usually not just like a healthy everyday person that just got a vaccine and suddenly boom, something happened. Um, a lot of times they have like some immune conditions. They have lung issues at baseline. They've had clots in the past. Um, maybe they're, they're smokers. Maybe they're drinkers. Maybe there's something else going on yeah. uh, in their lifestyles. Maybe they've had previous surgeries. So without having all of that medical data, it's, it's, you know, easy to jump to a conclusion of, Oh, this vaccine causes that. Um, or this vaccine might do that. Um, it, it's, it's more complex than that. And, and is there anything we can do to build our immunity or to kind of, I, I was actually, I don't know if you follow UFC, but the, the, the head of UFC, Dana White, he um, posted today that he's following Joe Rogan's protocol on, um, on having coronavirus. So he said he woke up, couldn't smell anything, phoned Joe Rogan and he told him to, I think take IV vitamins, take the, the you know, this, this whole protocol. And he, he said, he's been doing that. And he said, he's been, he'd be making dramatic recovery, but in your experience, is there anything anyone can do kind of maybe pre COVID and then if they have it to help them recover faster or uh, reduce the chances of getting it? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think pre-COVID, like trying not to get it, I think the biggest thing would be, you know, wearing the mask if you're too close in proximity with others that, you know, not in your bubble. Um, routine hand washing and, you know, washing your hands well and properly, not just like a little squirt. I always see people do like a tiny squirt of like something and they just kind of rub it. Um, you got to like really thoroughly get in between your fingers, get on the backs of your fingers, you know, with the, the thumbs always forgotten. Um, everyone kind of washes the palm of their hand and just forgets to kind of go up the thumb. The thumb is going to touch the most with your index finger. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to, to really clean the hands properly um, and, you know, maintaining the social distance if, you know, you're unsure of someone, um, especially if you're coughing and stuff. If you have symptoms, try not to be around too many people um, to try to, to not spread it, um, especially if it's like fever. Fever and cough tends to be the, the big one. Um, in terms of once you have COVID, it's tough to say. Um, a lot of the cases I've seen have been quite mild. Um, fortunately, there are some in the ICU. The ones that I've seen in the ICU were people who had previous like severe lung conditions, um, things like COPD, which is an obstructive lung disease. That's from kind of years of smoking. Uh, people with lung cancers, um, people with kind of autoimmune conditions, which kind of made their immune system go into hyperdrive. Um, those are the only ones I've actually seen in ICU. I've never seen it in kind of someone with no medical condition in ICU or in a hospital setting. Um, and, and is there anything like you and I can do to reduce our chances of getting COVID or getting even influenza in terms of our immunity and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so, so I think vaccines are a big part of that. Um, so I think getting your shots, um, I think boosters are going to be part of our lives soon. They're already starting. Um, so I don't know what it's like in the UK, but uh, Canada's and in, in the States have introduced COVID boosters. Um, so I think after six months from your second dose of vaccine, you're eligible to get another one. Um, and it's, I, 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 my, my anticipation is that this becomes more of kind of like the flu virus where there's a season of it um, and you go and get your flu shot or you go and get your COVID shot. Um, but if you get the virus, it's not as deadly, not as lethal. And that was the goal. The goal wasn't to stop COVID entirely. It's, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, cause viruses, you know, inherently will keep mutating. So there's always going to be some strain that, that kind of breaks through. Um, but if that strain isn't as lethal, if it's not killing people, if it's not, you know, making them end up in hospitals or ICUs, then our medical system can, can manage it. If you get COVID and you're just at home sick and, for a couple of days and then you go back to normal, that's, that's fine. That's the typical progression of a lot of most cases of this at this point. Um, and I think that's kind of a testament to, you know, you know, as a community, everyone, you know, following some of these rules, um, getting vaccinated, you know, scientific um, studies, having these vaccines, having this hand washing and the masks. Uh, I think it made a big difference because uh, you don't know what would have happened originally if you just didn't follow any of those guidelines. And what about like exercise, sleep, like vitamins or anything like that? Do you, do you know, like, yeah. So from a scientific standpoint, I don't think anything's been studied enough. I don't think long enough um, to say that one, one specific thing will do that. I don't think there's like specific vitamins. I won't speak to on, on Joe Rogan's behalf here on, on what he was telling Dana White to do. Um, but in general, I think, you know, people the, the, will start feeling better generally over time. Uh, it's the same thing with most viruses and flu. So whether you're having, you know, 40 oranges or not, you're probably going to start feeling better the next day and the next day. Um, and it's what you, you can attribute it to what you eat. But I think if you didn't have that stuff, you'd probably still feel a bit better. 
Um, eating healthy is always a, a decent option though. It's not like, you know, having fruits and vegetables is going to make you feel worse and that's not the case. Um, so I think it's definitely a good idea to have some of that stuff in because it'll help boost your immune system a little bit. Exercise is always good, but if you're, you know, lungs really can't take it, don't push yourself too far. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's like a specific food or, or vitamin C or D or something that I would recommend. I think they studied vitamin D for a bit. There was no conclusive evidence, but uh, it might help. Yeah, I did. I did read something about that. But um, like you said, I, I guess once you've got something that's viral, uh, you know, there's there's not much. It's not so much about you as an individual. Um, that's going to play some part, but you're you're still going to have to go through the motions of your body building its immunity to to that variant. Um, you're still going to get sick, but probably to a lesser degree, depending on so many factors like genetics and immunity and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But that, I think that's really interesting because there, there, there was a big issue. They said there's two pandemics in the UK anyway. They said there's one of the coronavirus and the second of misinformation, particularly in uh, BAME, Black and Ethnic Minority Groups. Uh, you know, some people believing that there, there's, there's chips, like, you know, Bill Gates yeah. in the vaccine and some people believe <laughs> um, there's like baby parts in there, so it's not halal and, and lots of different... Uh, lots of different things some people believing there's meat in there so it's not a uh, vegetarian and so it's kind of um yeah there's a lot of a lot of uh, information out there and i think it's difficult to know sometimes about who to believe or or what the right thing to do is and and like you said there might be an anecdote around someone getting sick from the vaccine and that's probably what gets uh, in terms of word or mouth gets passed around and and so it can can scare some people but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think we're lucky to live in the UK, to live in Canada, to live in countries that don't ha have access to the vaccine. Because if you look at, they're calling it an apartheid of, of um, availability and how some nations, like African nations in particular, don't have um, the access or availability that we have uh, and how people are really yeah. suffering. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, if you look at some of the developing countries uh, with no vaccines, you know, they are, the mortality rate is, is just way higher. Um, way, way higher. Um, so I, I really hope that, you know, we get some vaccines out there too um, soon. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. Thank you so much for your time. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to keep you because I know you've um, got a beautiful baby who wants time with her dad as well. So uh, if anyone has any questions, I'll, I will definitely put all of your uh, details in so they can look in the description box below. They can follow you on Instagram. Um, is that the best place to get in touch or to follow you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not on Instagram much anymore. Um, I'm not on much social media in general, but I still have it. So I, occasionally I will look and yeah, I, I'll I'm be happy to answer a couple questions on, on messengers on Instagram. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't an invitation to for people to ask you for medical advice. It's in case <laughs> yeah. they want to follow you and uh, see your journey and see some of your photos. I really like the one. I like the video that you did on uh, benching 100 kg, which I don't know what that is in pounds, but I was... Um, really impressed because yeah i think that was like 235 or something and i'm i'm a pretty small guy so that was a lot for me so you're you're genetically yeah. very gifted then it's not um simply just training then because that's that's quite atypical yeah i mean don't tell my dad that but uh <laughs> it'll get to his head you can say it's from uh, the other side of the family yeah <laughs> 
yeah yeah that was uh, that was different i think i trained pretty hard for that um and it's all about technique i found um for improving those big lifts uh, you got to have the, the proper technique i filled myself i must have filled myself every single time uh, i was lifting i'd get people to look at it and uh shape it so i think that's how i got uh those big lifts yeah you can see some of those on the on the page that's amazing and does your dad still call you um uh, does he still call himself your coach yeah, sometimes. Yeah, he'll he'll call himself my coach. He looks quite young still. I mean, he dyes his hair, but uh, yeah, sometimes he'll go as my brother or something or my uncle. He just doesn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't want to age himself. Um, which good for him. He's, he's in good shape too. So yeah, he yeah maybe it is partly genetics. So I'll I'll give him some credit for that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Rock. No problem. Thanks for having me.